Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the 21st Century Underground. Uh, we are coming to you after a long day at night, um, somewhat sleep-deprived, uh, somewhat hungry. Hungry to bring this podcast to you. <laughs> hungry to create. <laughs> hungry to create. Create content. Yes, create con- yes, content. Yes, content. We need content. We need content. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes. Yeah, yeah it's going to be one of those. Yeah, we're all fucking crazy right now. Um, so, this week we're going to be talking about the method in our madness. We're going to be talking about our technique, our process. We're going to be di- diving deep into that, how we each handle it. Uh, I am Salvatore Arnaldo, introducing myself, the writer of the group, and with me as always... Brand Salas, director, cinematographer, filmmaker... Mike Viorial, also known as Mike Vivace, at Mike Vivace on Instagram, early mm-hmm. tag. I'm the audio uh, fixer upper guy, and I also make my own music. Nice. He does cool. all that music huh? stuff. Yeah, and yeah. together we make a sort of tripod, a trifecta. A trifecta. A trifecta. So, yeah, tripod, yes. A tripod. <laughs> a tripod. <laughs> We're a tripod. And, uh, which could also be a trifecta of, of sticks holding it up. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna be our band, our band name's the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, dude, bro. I thought it was uh, we're all, we're half asleep already. Or we, um, we only start, sleep. Starting before we sleep, or starting before. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, who wants to begin talking about their creative process? Who's uh? All right, I, I'll do I, it. I, 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 Unless okay, you got it. Go. No, Mike, do it. I was, I was honestly about to take well, it. I was like, ah, fuck, all right, I'll do it. You guys are so familiar with your guys' process. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should start and then yeah. get the ball rolling. So my process is that depending on what project I'm doing and what it entails, um, like when I did the audio for our movie that we keep, plugging is paralyzed um i was the uh main audio guide of to the fullest extent when it comes to recording everyone mixing booming and making sure uh like you know micing up people and and having to record and make sure the audio is good for every take and so this is my first time being a audio mixer and I uh, I was also a boom operator and made sure and mic'd everyone, and was in control of all the audio equipment, and uh, used this guy who uh, which is not really meant to record in a movie setting, and but it has eight channels and it has a lot of control and I pretty much put guitar strings or uh, not guitar strings guitar strap onto these little hooks and I just rolling around with it. And so, um, on this for those audio techies, it's a Zoom R24 or 24 R24. Zoom R24. So it's a Zoom familiar to many, many filmmakers. And uh, I'm pretty sure they don't know this one. No. <laughs> this one uh, is pretty cool. It's a recorder interface and a controller and a sampler all at once. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. So I can hook it up to my computer or I can record on an SD card, which I did on an SD card. So, um, <clears throat> What once I did a lot of research on how to do be a mixer and and do all that, and so because I I knew the gist of how I wanted the audio to sound. I know how good audio recordings sound like. I've been recording for a long time, different artists and different and sounds and ambience and stuff like that. And so I just kind of needed to know the 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 lowdown of the whole situation and how to approach uh you know uh a male artist or a female artist and mic them accordingly and make sure the that the lob doesn't rub 
against fabric and create that sound when they're yeah, that one, that one right yeah like when that? they're okay that sound you're hearing and so i did a lot of research and so i said most of what i do is just kind of like oh i can try it i'll figure it out but on that on that aspect and that kind of project um that's what i did and um i i made sure all the channels were separate it's very important when you're recording audio to separate every single mic, not just have it down to one mixer, because what um, they can have different volumes, different actors, and when you're in post production, um, getting the levels to match and EQ, you can have more control that way. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just had to pay extra attention to like um, having like the AC running. Or a, a, a very a very noisy like refrigerator or something like that. I just had to be conscious about the environment when we're recording, specifically dialogue, because I wanted to record the room tone on its own, which you know, the AC and refrigerator and whatnot can be can be on and, and add to the effect. But but you need consistency. Yeah, I need consistency. Yeah. So you need to isolate the voice to only hear the voice, so then you can add your own ef- effects or mixing to EQing afterwards. So it's very important to have clean, pure audio just like you're hearing now. You're not really hearing much um, echo or reverberation. And um, so when we are putting people in these scenes, um, you can adjust it accordingly. So that was kind of my take and on on being uh, an audio mixer. Are we getting rain again? Yeah, we are. Rain again. It's rain. Wow, that's room so time. That's the for second you. episode well, we well, get rain. It's yeah, rain. Wow. Isn't it weird? Isn't like it? This is like a totally different, different day. time period. Um, yeah, this is completely disconnected. Yeah, we just stayed up really late and started recording like super late one night for no reason. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's raining in Phoenix is kind of crazy. Yeah, and we met but, up at nine thirty. We're like, let's do a podcast. And then when it comes to okay, you kind of you guys understand mm-hmm. and for you know I'm really breaking this down for our audience. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you guys clearly understand how that kind of make you know you guys been and you've been doing that either done it yourselves or seen it done professionally yeah. and, and whatnot. So, um, I pretty much covered everything except for post, and post is a whole different um, uh, journey when you're uh, uh, being very organized, uh, naming everything, every scene is is crucial before you even start the project. And uh, that'll be my next step when I uh, finally get started with the audio paralyzed is organizing, naming everything and every take um, per shot. I imagine hey, being, oh, sorry. Not to be, uh, um, what's the word, uh, not macro. Uh, meta, not to be meta. <laughs> <laughs> macro, not micro. Uh, meta, meta. Big picture? Uh, no, no. On our, For another episode, we could totally cover are each our different post process processes like editing a book, mm. uh, editing oh, film, okay. and then editing audio. That'd okay, be cool. So I won't yeah. dive, I won't dive in too much yeah. into it. Um, this is kind of like this how we start. Mm. So that's pretty much how I start that kind of project when it comes to um, recording uh, film, uh, audio, and I've done also some interviews too. And I use a, a, a condenser mic and or for the best sound um, when it comes to that. So I, I, I did that for the uh, Pape Solomon's project that's 
uh, going on right now um, at the Ross Joseph Gross yeah, Joseph, Joseph, Joseph yeah, Gross Gallery. I recorded. He had these two um, a, a few interviews, and I recorded everyone on uh, m- the main speaker for it was on a condenser mic because I wanted to clean a sound picks up the whole sp- the majority of the spectrum. Did you guys do all that in here? Yeah, we did. Oh, cool, cool. And um, pretty much, I'll see the biggest thing when it comes to actors kind of know and 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 how to talk and how to not you know how to move with the mic and mm-hmm. you know but like when it comes to people who have never experienced this I, it was a it was a learning experience because a, a lot of people i was using these kind of mics at first which is this is a very straight uh mic and it's it can only pick up audios uh from a certain area it's very narrow sounding the uh I guess the I forgot what it's called, but the the pickup on it is very narrow. So when if I start talking on the side right now, I'm talking to the right side of the mic. You're losing a lot of the you know. It sounds like it's all mids, and you're losing my highs and my lows, and you really have to talk front here oh, to get the full sound. And it can same thing going back. I'm going back a couple inches, so yeah. I had to you know make sure that the speak the speaker doesn't. Uh, a normal person doesn't really speak like this unless they're used to it. It's like mm-hmm. us, we're yeah. used to talking to this. And so putting putting headphones on and having them listen to their audio is a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's a very, uh, you know, just speaking on that from experience, it's a very weird situation to be in initially because you're like in a bubble. With yeah. the headphones on, you know, and you're hearing your voice and you're kind of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like at first when we were first doing this, I couldn't stay on the mic at all. You know, I still uh, to some degree have trouble with it. But then like just after our last podcast, uh, like literally we were headphones were off and we were sitting here still in front of the mics. We we're just having a conversation with our guests. And we like I was like leaning in unconsciously to talk to them like yeah. towards, yeah, towards the mics that weren't even really like training. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it d- takes a lot. Yeah. Of time. But important thing to really note on that, real quick, for the uh, condenser mics. I mean, that's a, a big reason why it's great to use in film. Obviously, a lot of times you are dealing with. For those who don't know, you're dealing with a lot of you're you're fighting sound other um, outside sounds that you don't want to record all the time. Oh yeah. So that that narrow uh, range helps you isolate just the person who's talking or whatever you're trying yeah. to record. You remember the lawnmower? Yes. We were recording Fucking in the bedroom over here, and we had to have uh, Brandon's uh, girlfriend go out and talk to someone across the street who had just started mowing their lawn, and we had like a, a time frame to shoot the scene in. It, it was a quiet like, oh, scene fuck. too, like with yeah. straight dialogue. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. It was actually. It was, the, it was the climax. Scene. Yeah. It was like the pivotal. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it, it was like this one take. <laughs> it just, it to, it yeah. Was, it was a very emotional. And then we hear. Yeah. <laughs> we finally get set up, and you hear a. Yeah, just across the street, we're like fuck, and then we were all standing at the window, like a bunch of kids waiting for her to to go up and talk to the did guy. Did you do it? Yeah, and then he she did it. It's like maybe just ask him for like 10, 15 minutes, and she did it. And he was like, "Well, fuck, it. I guess I'm not mowing the lawn today. I don't give a shit." Yeah. He just went inside. Yeah. Big key there is like if you can get the a good audio shot there and then, is way better than having to correct it in post. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, we did that and and we got it and there were the neighbors were awesome mm-hmm. and we appreciate them. So Our neighbors me, are pretty pretty cool actually, uh, based on every experience we've had with them so far. So you're telling me that we shouldn't rely on fixing it in post. 
Don't rely on fixing them post. Okay. Well, I feel Never. like especially with sound. If you can get, yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm problem. sure it'll come. Up, yeah. It'll come up this way once we get to your guys's area. <laughs> is don't fix. Don't I don't say. To, I mean, I well, that's actually with writing. That's almost like a double edged thing because like you almost have to fix it in post with some things just because like the editing is so important. Mm. You know. So yeah, that's that does. Well, that's when it comes to film stuff, and and this this is a very basic setup: three mm-hmm. mics, headphones. We yeah. all can hear each other. We we're all level dialed in, and we know when we're. We're sounding off mic and when we're centered to the uh, mic. Okay. Yeah, I like that right there. <laughs> so, um, I've been waiting to do that since you talked about its ranch before. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna hit him with this as soon as, as soon as there's a pause. Yeah, and then learning how to learning what mics to use for different locations. What Brandon brought up, using a shotgun mic is very narrow field, so it's only gonna pick up exactly in front of the mic. And then they have different learning the pattern of how it picks up the sound with different mics than you, you know, you're we're going super high end when you have specialty stuff for, for dialogue, mm. for, you know what I mean? But, it, um, I mean, not to go too much into the film aspect cause you can keep on going cause it's, it can be such a complicated process. Um, when it comes to like me personally making my music, now that, that one's a completely different challenge. I feel like, um, when it comes to recording uh, um, people and things, it's straightforward. It's like it's linear. Mm-hmm. As this is, that's the goal, and I need to follow that path. But when you create, when you don't really have a goal, when you're just trying to like come up with something out of nowhere, I get that. Yeah. Then it, it becomes challenging, and I'm sure you'll no, hear yeah. more from Sal when For it sure. comes to that. And um. I get a lot of what I like to do is when I get a lot of my inspirations is I try to stay busy and doing something that keeps me busy minded. And when I'm when I'm in that state, I, I get like inspired and then I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go into the music and I'll, I'll just stop. It could be me taking a shower, me cooking, uh, me watching an anime show like I, I did a whole if you guys check out my Instagram at Mike Vivace. I was just watching One Piece and um, the anime and um, it was early on in the series and this character named Ivan came on and I just like what he represented. I like that his attitude and I made a whole little beat out of him using quoting his um, his specialty move where he injects you with these hormones to heal your wounds or whatever. And then that that was the intro. I used that. I sampled it, and I used it for one of my little fun beats I make. But um, um, a lot of it is just me beatboxing. I'm just mm-hmm. like working at work, and and I'm like I beatbox, and I'm so I I save it on my phone to remember that kind of melody of the or the the rhythm for right. the music for later on. Right. And so it's it's. Pretty much when it comes down to creative work is self-awareness. Self-awareness is a very big key. Is how is learning how you work, learning how get your process going, uh, learning when to take a break, mm. and all that, and having to put that project away, and and, and look at other things, and then coming back into it with a fresh ear, um, is a is a big thing I experienced. Like there's yeah. legit, I'm still working on this one song that sounds amazing to me um but I've, it's been like 
five years hmm. in the making. And it's been kind of like reinventing for the most part, but the gist of it's there. And along the way with my, with newer uh, um, audio software that I've got, like Omnisphere, um, which is this program that has a, a bunch of amazing sounds that you can use and at adding that flair to it and also adding new techniques it's just like i'm re i'm like evolving the song and i'm I'm loving where it's going and i haven't released it yet yeah. i think i put it in my stories a while back but That'd it's be cool to hear if you want to share yeah. that sometime yeah i'd love to i mean not necessarily with the public sorry yeah i'll show but, you guys uh, afterwards yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, okay but, all right and um <laughs> Maybe I maybe I can do a quick sample on this on this podcast. We could. That'd be cool. Uh, Here, well, we leave the pauses, and then if we don't do it, I can cut it out. Okay. So, yeah. take a yeah, listen. Yeah, take a listen to Mike's song. This is cool. I like that we're, you know, kind of involving the the work in the process. It's great. <laughs> Comments. <All> right. Trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just crushed. So if it's horrible, let me know. And if you like it, let me know. Because. All opinions are accepted, but if, if it has to be valid, I believe. Yeah. Good or bad. Get trolled. It, it can't just like be the a, first thing that popped up in my head was like you just spent five lame. years doing this kill yourself. <laughs> kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah. a thirteen year old. Yeah, right. No, right, like on Xbox. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I know, right? Dude, that'd be fucked up. What if I somebody was Honestly, I wouldn't blame her because I play literally when it comes to sorry but when it comes to music and every one who does audio work and, and makes music mm-hmm. you were playing that song over and over yeah. and over trying adding things editing things and and when you're mixing it to to like a final product um i usually start off with my headphones and uh these uh pretty are pretty flat headphones i have um and and then i and then i switch with to, with my yamaha um Yamaha monitors, which are really crisp, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm and able. To, all that. I'm able. Yeah, I'm able. Yeah. To, and it's just the repetition of like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna, well, bring the EQ down here and, and bring the bass up here, and I get that. No, I get that too because I I, like li- I do a very similar version of the same thing. Like I'll just text Brittany like all these like just like thousand word pieces of scraps of things that I'm working on. And she's like so good about it because she'll just like read it like immediately. And she's uh does like paralegal work for a living. So she like, will like read it. Like she's able to read something and absorb all the information like extremely quickly. And so she'll like read it real fast and be able to give me like an opinion, but I'm just sending her like all these like sort of discombobulated, disconnected scraps of things that don't even quite make sense and just sound insane by themselves. And she's like, oh, this is really good. I have no idea how this is going to connect to anything, but that's really good. That's actually really good. Or like, you know, whatever, you know, could use this or that, you know, so. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's kind of the gist of how I do things mm-hmm. with my, I, mean, I don't want to go, I don't want to take up too much time for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys have any questions? Uh-huh. Actually, I don't think so. Yeah, no, no. you explained it pretty well. You didn't. You, came, yeah. you covered it very well. Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, about as far as the, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too much into this because you know, I know we said we wouldn't, but as far as like with film work, like I imagine keeping organized on the set, like during production, probably saves you tons of time and energy yeah. at the end. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> when it paralyzed, yeah, you did. I, we <laughs> started is, off. Oh man. Well, the yeah, yeah got we really started off really well. We started we off. We shot really that well. movie in two days straight, basically. 
And like by the end of it, we didn't even have our shots straight. We were just like, Ugh! like we were very organized in pre-production. Then production was just insane. I, I, was, like, yeah. I, just, I was basically just telling everybody what shot we're on. We're yeah. on this shot. No, are we, are we on this shot? Yeah, we yes, just, we're on this shot. Yeah, we just started jumping oh, yeah. around. Yeah. Just, that was well, bad. no, we were still falling. Well, no, we were, but there were like say, certain, there were certain. No, no, no. We had to like edit on our feet. Like we weren't jumping around like completely. But there was like certain things like uh, we missed that. Or, you know, we just kind of had to. I don't know. Improvise. We made certain it. Things. Yeah, we surprised we made it work. Made it work. Yeah. I mean, we got it done. Yeah, we got a cut. You know, we got a cut, a rough cut. cut. Got a rough cut. Oh, and then last tidbit, and this is my final thing. People who, uh, for people who want to make music, whether it be production, singing, singer, songwriter, rapper, everything. And if you're running into like a conundrum where like you can't write or think of ideas, the biggest thing that I've noticed from multiple producers and multiple artists is the lack of music theory they actually know. Really? Mm. So yeah, for me, I, I was a jazz guitar major, and that and that was drilled into me. Mm-hmm. And um, never graduated. I was a dropout. But yeah, me too, bruh. <laughs> yeah, but English like, literature dropout, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned a, a lot of music theory, and I'm like I'm pretty confident with my music theory knowledge and how to work things and it's it's fun to play with it so a big the biggest key is is learning the craft properly and that's just going from a to you know a to y and you need you to gotta, you gotta go a b c d you need to e. know the rules before you can break them yeah there's yeah. so much value there yeah. absolutely you I, used, I used to i used that's to, I used to like being experimental before i knew how to write you know what I mean? I used to like, you know what I mean? Same. I was trying to like James Joyce, like William S. Burroughs, like my right, you know, but because I didn't know how to write, so I couldn't put anything cohesive together. So I was just like, hence, you know. hence yeah. I, exactly what just Styles just said. Mm-hmm. I speak from experience. Mm-hmm. I when starting from this, I started a computer, had a computer play with GarageBand, uh, and that's where everything, the whole production thing started. Mm-hmm. And I had zero knowledge of music. Yeah, been passionate for all my life, but I have zero knowledge of music. It's when I actually started learning theory and and at school and stuff is when I um, really started getting things together. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's important. So yeah. That's no, I I, I kind of didn't do that I'm until done. the same same time. So I I'm done. That. You guys go. Cool. Who wants to? Do you want? Do you want to go in sequence or do you want to? Um. Me me finishing that sentence probably would have been a good way for me to segue into me. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, uh, I don't know. It really depends. I mean, it's all very different. Um. I mean, because I do. Uh, you know, like prose, like narratives mostly, like short stories. And right now I'm kind of working on a novel. I've been kicking it around. I'm kind of like coy about that, but I got like 11,000 words of like notes <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and it's, there's got, there's a lot more that's going to come. I mean, it's not even really that much, but I've, I'm, I'm at this point where I should probably just call it what it is. Um, but yeah, I do that. I do, you know, short stories and uh, I do film one of those big things, you know, obviously with me and Brandon um, working together. And so, I don't know, I approach them definitely very differently. Um, with a piece of prose writing, I feel like I almost need a really solid foundation before... Well, no, never mind. I'm already changed my mind about that. I mean, it all starts off with, like, inspiration. Like, I feel like... Like, with Mike was saying how you have nothing and you need to just sort of come up with shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You need to... I, I don't know. It takes a very specific type of inspiration. It almost takes kicking around an idea for maybe you know, a couple of days or so, you know what I mean? Before it kind of really can express mm-hmm. itself in a, like a comprehensible fashion, you know what I mean? So you need to kind of give it some time to sort of percolate. 
And then once it does, I don't know, like with uh, Paralyzed, for instance, that one was kind of an interesting example because like I really just got the inspiration to do it. I'd been watching. I'd just been going to the library over and over again and cycling out. I was really into film. I, I listened to Martin Scorsese and William Friedkin in particular talk on podcasts. And I was just like, you know, I need to do a short film. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just kind of like that hit me. And I was like, all right, what's my experience? What, I don't know, what have I dealt with in my 20s? You know what I mean? That I can kind of pull from that I have perspective on now that I know how to, you know. And so I kind of did some of that and did some fictionalized elements. But I, uh, before I even started working, I just went to the library and would get, they, they have a limit of 10 movies at a time. So I would just get 10 movies. It was like Warner Rainer Fassbender and, uh, you know, I think uh, Kurosawa. I got some of his movies and I got, you know, some other stuff that was like really far out of left field too, like the right stuff I rented. And, you know, uh, what was the other one? Uh, the Sam Peck and Paul, The Wild Bunch. And just like all sorts of stuff from all different times. And uh, lots of German and Japanese movies. Um, but yeah, I just kind of did that over and over again until like something clicked and I had a script. And I started writing it. And uh, I've been kind of lucky with short films in that I usually have what I want after a day or two of just feverishly kind of being into it after thinking about it for a long time. And uh, and by a long time, I mean like I guess it was just a couple of weeks. But I don't know. It kind of all just sort of comes out. And I, I'm usually really lucky with those because it's just a simpler format. And it's just actions mm. and dialogue. It's, it's a lot easier. And uh I mean, you need to have it structured the right way because it's, it's easier and harder in the same time because you can't really discover things in quite the same way mm-hmm. uh, because, I mean, you could. It would just, I guess it would be more time-consuming because with prose, like, you can just write and riff and find something. You know what I mean? Because it's just all these words and it's like, I don't know, it, just writing the words themselves helps to organize your brain in a way that you discover things that you didn't know were there about the story or the characters. Whereas with a script, it's like, I don't know, it's just so much more simple and bare bones that you kind of need to have, all right, so this scene's going to be this. And you can figure things out in dialogue, but it's just different. It's just a different process to some degree. It's the same, it's the same tool, just like a different medium. So you kind of, and you got to think about expressing things visually too. And so, I don't know, it's just a little bit different. But uh, so I finished the script, I did a draft and I showed it to some people, got some feedback. And I got some very good feedback and uh, added a couple things here and there, but it, it was... The first draft and the final draft were pretty similar with some key differences where I added some plot points where it was kind of flat before. Like I got I got some good notes from my friend Tim who was actually on the podcast a little while ago talking about Uncut Gems. And uh, I think Brittany had some ideas. Julio had some too. And, you know, Brandon and me kind of kicked him around. I, I can't remember. I feel like there was a couple other people who read it. But uh, Tim had some really important feedback. And uh, I remember Julio in particular because they like kind of had like the best like criticisms just about what, you mm. know what I mean? So... Uh, so we were able to kind of incorporate those and uh, we we made it way better just with like a couple simple changes just about, okay, so how about he's struggling with this and then we have a motivating force, you know what I mean? Like, you know, something happens that causes him to have a problem throughout the course of the movie rather than, you know, just sort of kind of a prolonged, I don't know, impressionistic character study kind of thing, which it kind of still is to some degree, but I don't know. There's just more there. There's more to deal with. Um, but uh, yeah, so that came together pretty quickly with the book. It's like... I don't know. It feels almost like sculpting. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm just writing and I'm having a fun time with it because uh, my therapist actually told me about the, uh, was it the artist's way by Julia Cameron? Uh, and she's actually, she's a pretty popular author. A lot of people who do anything creative will usually reference that book and read it. And she's actually married to Martin Scorsese. I think they have a daughter together. Uh, it's like one of his previous wives. But uh, yeah, she had this whole thing that my therapist told me about that was in the book about how I, I would always kind of impose the rule on myself. It's like, all right, I got to get up. I got to regiment myself. I got to write for like, three hours a day every morning you know what I mean I need to work that into my schedule I need to do 
some crazy amount of words. Like, like a workout kind of thing? Almost, yeah. That's why I was looking at it. And then she told me, she was like, no, 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 that's not, that's not going to work. You're setting up yourself up for failure. What you got to do. Like yeah, what you got to, yeah, all right. Yeah, what you got to do is you just, if you write for at least five, ten minutes every day, just do that every day. That's better than nothing, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then also it's priming sort of your neurological makeup to express words, you know, to communicate with the words. If you just, if you just do any amount of writing about anything, it doesn't, it could be, the story you're working on, it could just be like personal thoughts, it could be anything. Just do that every day and it'll help kind of get the neuroplasticity working in your favor, you know? And uh, that really worked well because I started doing that because I started thinking about this book and I was like hitting a wall and I was like copying Dostoevsky and that was pissing me off because I don't like being untrue to myself and I was doing all this shit. And then I finally took her advice and I took some of Brandon's advice because I was texting him and I'm like, I'm having so much trouble with this. Like, I know there's something in me that I want to get out. I've got like this like fire in my gut kind of thing that I want to do, but I can't do it. And he was like, maybe just research, you know what I mean? Come at it from a different angle. Just kind of get lost in that part of it and kind of track down your story. You know what I mean? Do this, this other phase. And so I started doing that. And then I took my therapist's advice kind of in conjunction with that. And then since then, I've been doing way more than 10, 15 minutes every day just because I'm like, all right, all I have to do is this much and that's okay. And so I've been doing thousands of words every day and just kind of having fun and trying to, and, and I know it's not a final draft and I know it might not even make it into the book, but I'm just doing a, as much writing as I can. And then I need to carve the story out of that. And then maybe it'll give me another idea, which has happened a lot. Like, oh, okay. I wrote about this. This is interesting. I can develop this more in this way. And uh, it's very, uh, I like to work. Brandon was telling me uh, Moby has this very subconscious kind of way that he likes to do his music. So he'll just kind of feel the you know the rhythm and the tempo and just kind of go with it huh. and i, I kind of try to do that with my writing too because i don't like it to be too i like very expressive writing i realize that the things that first got me into literature when i was like a teenager when i really Cut first my wrist and black my eyes <laughs> yeah i know right yeah shout out to uh Hawthorne heights <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah my emo is coming out yeah for me it was more like i'm not okay anyway but uh, that was really ass. fucking bad by the way that's the music <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, I don't know. Uh, the things that like really got me into writing though, like I read like Hunter S Thompson when I was in high school and that blew me away. Like I read a lot of the usual suspects like Charles Bukowski and like Hunter S Thompson and William S Burroughs. And then that kind of segued me into like James Joyce. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like just, you know, but it was like very free, fluid, almost poetic, uh, expressive writing that, uh, was verbose sometimes because it could be like they had the ability to use a lot of words but make so much sense out of them and just express themselves as freely and fluidly as they could and i I really liked that so i I really like kind of working from that subconscious place and just feeling the words and the characters and i've got like a very Stephen it's like a very stephen king type method where i just gotta take my brain and just dump it you know what i mean because i feel like he just sits and just goes like he'll have an idea and he just flies away with it and that's uh definitely the way that i like to work too and uh, right now, I'm not even in. The, I don't even consider that I'm in the writing phase yet. I mean, I guess I technically am because the number of words and stuff that I have. But I'm still in like the research phase because I've got. I'm trying to figure out how to regiment myself so I can read the number of books that I want to to have the context for the time periods that I'm working in and the different historical events that I kind of want to deal with. And I want to do the due diligence and then kind of just shake it up in my head and let it synthesize and then kind of <laughs> pour it out into the book, basically. Because I'm not necessarily going to be true to uh, historical detail necessarily. Is that for your next book? Yeah, it's for the thing that I'm working on now. So yeah. you're starting off with research first. Yeah, I'm researching and I'm writing like a lot. Like some of this stuff could very well end up in there. But how'd you start that book you currently have? Uh, well, I mean, like that, you know, just research. Like, 
like how did you come up with those first words the first word well the first the idea came to me kind of independently and then i started researching the subjects because i was like oh i don't know as much about these things as i'd like to because it deals with a couple different time periods uh-huh. and different elements of those time periods all tied together and it's kind of this big but the crazy I, like um that first sentence you wrote oh yeah how did that come i had the idea first and then so okay and you got the idea and then you typed it in you're like well yeah well and then i mean it, it took a while okay so i see what you're saying it took some trial and error because okay. i couldn't quite get it right at first because i had an idea and i knew kind of where i wanted to go with it even from some of those previous drafts where i was like fucking up and i was very aware of it and uh as a third person it is yeah yeah okay. uh it's big third person kind of sweeping there's like a lot going on it's very there's a lot there's a lot happening there's a lot of moving pieces that i kind of kind of wrangle together and kind of get to work but uh but yeah i uh I don't know. It took a lot of trial and error. I had to rewrite the opening of it. I finally settled on something that I think works, but I had to rewrite the opening of it until I got what was just right. And I just knew, like, I was like really far off, but I was I was kind of getting closer and closer each time. But I finally got like a couple thousand words for the first couple pages that I think will work. You know what I mean? Uh, down the road. So, how do you know when you're done for the day? Um. Well, time is a big factor because I have a day job. So. <laughs> When I no longer have time that. to take notes and someone needs me to do something uh, at work, that's a big part of it. I feel like um, <laughs> and then also when I need to go to work, that's part of it too. Uh, you know, or if I'm too tired, that's a part of it. Yeah. But you kind of feel it with each uh, each independent piece. Like you'll start it and it'll wind up and it's like, I can finish this. You know, you'll have a sense of you'll be going and you'll be going and you'll have this kind of wind in your sails and you'll have this enthusiasm and it just keeps moving you along and then you'll kind of hit a point where i don't really know i don't really feel this anymore maybe i should stop for a minute and then maybe you'll come back even later that day and be like oh i know what to do now and then kind of finish it up um sometimes i'll press through to the end and it'll be enough to kind of get me there but other times i need to kind of put it down and i might even work on something else for a while but i'm just like all right i'll just leave this like this for now and maybe i'll come back with an idea later but uh it's just a feeling it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of ideas jazz your nose hairs? Jazz my nose hairs. <laughs> <laughs> really, like what kind of ideas um, get you like I don't know, get you excited? Get me excited. Um, I've been working a lot from history lately. Um, it's I don't want to get like too deep into it, but yeah, I I like stuff that's comedic but deals with like deadly serious themes almost. You know, so like I like really dark like humor. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, like the thing that I'm writing, I was describing it to someone recently, and I realized I almost need the humor in order for it to be like bearable because it's just so heavy. Some of it, but uh, I, I'm trying to think. Like, I, hmm. I guess the stuff that like really, really gets me going, it has to have some. I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I'm trying to think. I don't know, I guess, like, the complexity of, like, history and just, like, the way that people uh-huh. interact with each other and things that have happened that were really horrible or really good and, like, why maybe they occurred and, like, what were, like, the motivating forces behind that and, like, why people feel the way they do. And so I, 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 I don't know. I wish I could explain that a little bit better. I'm, like, a little... <clears throat> What's the weirdest inspiration you had where, like... The weirdest inspiration you had, like you know the weirdest, I mean? uh, like lately, or just like funny, weird, random. You know what I mean? Just I was like writing in whole... uh, Cockney slang the other day. My girl actually sent it to my girlfriend. She thought it was gonna be really horrible, but it was actually good. And actually, I'll, I'll break it down for you. I'll, okay, I'll break down a scene for you because I don't like want to get too much into that. I'm like really dancing around the topic here. Um, but I had a, a scene that took place in 1952. 
um, in London uh, around Christmas time when the smog was hitting London. Yeah, yeah. yeah because like, you know, all the, the industry had made like the air practically toxic and people were dropping dead. And it's a, uh, a former RAF pilot or a paratrooper from World War II. And he was uh, injured severely from falling through like the canopy and pulling a chute too late. And so his like nerves are all fucked up and he's just sort of sitting in a bar in the East End just sort of drinking his problems away. And the whole narrative is in uh, like Cockney, like East Ender slang oh. and like turn of freight. You know what I mean? So that was a really weird one that just kind of came out of nowhere. And he's like sitting in there and he's talking and it's like communicating a lot of different things. But in like this like rhyming weird like thing about like how he has no money and he's like sort of just drinking himself to death and. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's like really, it's really interesting. And then before, and I'm just setting the scene in the beginning. So I talk about what's going on in London, and then I just jump between different historical figures and where they are in London at that moment and what they're doing. So I talk about Winston Churchill and how he's like suffering from depression, like he did in real life, and he's realizing that uh, during like a relatively peaceful time, like he's like really pretty useless, and he's like you know severely depressed and like lying on the couch, and he like can't get up some days, and. He was having like a vision in the back of his mind of like Hitler's like face sort of like looming over him with like a gunshot wound in his temple. And he's like thinking about how he almost misses him in some weird ways. <laughs> and then like uh, I had another one. It was Ronnie and uh, Reggie Cray. And in 1952, around this time, they were court-martialed from their military service. And so they're in prison, like dumping latrine buckets over like their guards heads and like throwing hot tea and stuff at them, which they, all of which they did. And uh, I have a scene like right after, uh, They've been beaten, like gotten the shit beat out of them for like dumping a latrine bucket over a guard's head. And uh, Reggie is asleep and he's like all, you know, beat up and got cracked ribs. And then Ronnie is just sitting like straight up on his cot, staring at the wall, thinking that if he stares at it long enough and talks to it, it'll like let them out and they can like walk to freedom and stuff like that. And just like sort of jumping around London. So all this yeah. was based off of cottony slang. Uh well like it it it's like sets up the setting and then when uh-huh. it gets into the character that's when it, it starts kinda, that's when it yeah it kind of goes yeah, into Cockney okay. slang and it's just like and I, I won't even try to do it but he's just like talking about like you know fucking you know it's like he's yeah. like talking about like apples and pears stairs and like you know it's like all this shit and he's talking about how he basically wants to hook up with another guy in a uh because he's like gay too so it's like obviously at that time period that wasn't easy and he's like just everything about his life is just like bearing down on him and he's like sitting in the thing and it what was the uh the term for that for being uh they had a cockney term it was a uh, collar and cuff or something like that it means you're effeminate like you know poofy kind of guy you know what i mean so that was like their term for it back then mm. it was like a homophobic turn and he's like he like hates himself and like society's like pressing down on him and the smog is all outside and he's just like sitting staring at his like reflection in a blurry mirror and just like the world is sort of coming apart and it's like london has tried to return to a sense of normalcy after having been bombed constantly for years but they can't quite do it because now there's like this like threat of nuclear devastation and you know it's it's harder to explain but yeah, yeah. I'm kind of working on all these different historical kind of yeah I feel like mine was just like a car chime like ding when you leave your keys in you have to yeah. open it go ding ding I, I, I was like ding 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 yeah ding. and, and I was the music, like whoa yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of producers can relate yeah and refrigerators for some reason really? I was a <laughs> Uh, at a hospital, there's this like ice maker refrigerator thing or something like that. My boy's in the like, drone music. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, this. I was like, ah, uh, I'm like singing. <laughs> I'm like, look weird. Uh, I'm like, I'm like that's an A. Uh, I kinda, I was kind of <laughs> going through the same thing. I was literally just thinking like, okay, what's because I was trying to figure out something to write for the day, and so I just started thinking about my subject, and I was like, London during World War II, 
what was it like after World War II? And then I just kind of trailed off. Uh, I just spiraled off. And then I had this RAF pilot, you know, drinking in the bar, the pub, and he's just fucking. Nice. Yeah. No, and no, basically, yeah. And the, you know, I, I told Brittany that I was just wrote a section in Cockney rhyming slang. And she was like, oh, this is going to be like, you know, Pygmalion or like uh, the, the movie that they made where it's just like, oh, what the, you know. And then like I sent it to her and she's like, that was pretty good, actually. And I was like, nice. oh, thank you. And I was just kind of riffing and I was like looking at the dictionaries of Cockney slang. So it's it's a real rough. Like yeah. it's not something permanent that I put in there because I have to do more research. But I, uh, you know, Mm. was looking at dictionaries and just kind of going it's like what did Tom Hardy sound like in Peaky Blind you know what I mean just kind of like pulling from all these different places and doing some research online as I was kind of going with it but I was just basically having fun and that was like what came out of it so that's cool it was just this scene of London you know and mm. this guy the whole city is kind of scarred by the the war with Hitler mm. and it's kind of like just reflecting on that I guess cool so any, any questions I like that insight yeah, oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I was, was there just, anything I was there? Just, I feel like I, I, just, just, I, feel no, like I was well, just kind of going... I feel like I know? just... We were asking questions along the pro- your process. Mm. We're inside um, the mind of Salazar right yeah. now. It was in, it's interesting for writers. My my wife's a writer, so I get to ask her a lot of yeah. uh, questions. For her, her start is dialogue. Yeah. She starts a dialogue. Dialogue can be... Actually, I did that the other day. Uh, I was reading about Sidney Gottlieb, who was the, uh, in charge of MK Ultra for the CIA, which... To put you know, it simply, was I trying need, to do mind control, and I, I had need just to a, connect you guys. Yeah, just share each other's content. Oh yeah, have, we could yeah, proofread and yeah, yeah, yeah that'd well, be cool. Then, yeah. You guys can create content, do critiques and stuff. Yeah, just yeah. kind of like bounce up cool. concepts yeah, yeah. and ideas each other. Okay, but anyways, my boy Brandon over yeah. here. We got. Yeah, actually, for me, uh, so I guess talking process, <laughs> I had to kind of narrow it down. What I wanted to talk about. Uh, I since I I do I do wear a lot of hats. I do I started off with. I do produce, I do direct, I do uh, uh, cinematography, I edit as well. So I was kind of like, I can't talk about all that. I mean, the filmmaking process is just so large. Um, So I decided to kind of hone in. I mean, originally what I fell in love with was the visuals, was the cinematography, was Mm -hmm. being on a camera. So I decided to kind of come at that angle because that is an interesting process for me. And it does come to me naturally. I I thankfully have always had a sort of visual eye, a really good... um, um, mind's eye for just images and scenes uh from a young age i would remember like i <laughs> i just hear songs and music videos would be forming my head because yeah i can just see it. i can just see mm-hmm. the I, visually very well and so for me when i start the process if i pick up if um if i'm being hired as a cinematographer or even if i'm ha- heck if i'm handling my own script I, kind of, I do it the same way um if i'm doing the cinematography for my own script I start off, I I want to be very familiar with the work first. That's always one of my first priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the best uh, traditional ways of thinking about cinematography is uh, the mentality that everything should have purpose. I think yeah. it's a really great base to have for your cinematography. It just really empowers. Well, because the point is you're you're trying to empower the story, the empower the theme, empower the characters it's like writing but with images yes it all needs to line up and make sense and i want to make sure that i'm only doing i'm only improving at any chance i get never taking away or lessening so i always try to read the script become very familiar with the script um if i am working on someone else's project uh communicating with that director or producer and finding out what their vision was and what they thought um things that inspired them visually or styles they wanted to reflect and make sure I get that information as well. Then kind of let all that digest. And then I'll, I'll just basically go from page one and I'll have, I always start off a shot list. That's where I always start my basis for things for people who don't know. A shot list is very much how it sounds. It's 
like scene number, shot number one. Uh, I usually put a brief, for my own sake, a brief description of the scene and then a brief description of the shot, um, what I want for the shot itself. And I specify things like lens type. Uh, I even go, I do something that actually I don't really see that often when I work with other people in this city. Um, I like to specify full front, quarter fronts, quarter back, full back mm -hmm. um, in my shot list. So that way. Um, for our uh, non-fill friends and, or, and uh, viewers, why is uh, the camera lens so important to know? Oh, yes, I'd be glad. <laughs> oh, because oh. <laughs> you had that planned. I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's specifying how important is the lens. It's in the shot list. I yeah. mean, technically, you could just. I mean, like an iPhone, right? If an iPhone, you can just take a step back and make it a wide, or you can just step in closer and make it a close-up shot. But that's there's more to it than that. Um, yes. Um, in gen general, a, a lens helps zoom in and helps zoom out, but there's also some other factors going on. There's, there's a lot of factors going on. The way the lens, I'll start on the more grander scale. So let's say that I wanted to do a close-up. I'm mm -hmm. going to do a close-up on Mike. Um, actually, I could even use, since for, actually for visuals purpose, since you guys can see this visual, uh, this is a wide shot, right? This is like all three of us have to fit in the frame. And so for a wide shot, one would think that I'd just be at possibly a 14 millimeter, a 18 millimeter wide. Mind you, I am shooting. <laughs> for um, quick, for audio listeners, he's, he's referring to the camera, which the, is eight feet away from us. Yes. So he's talking about well, that kind of distance. Feet, oh, eight, it's about eight feet. It's about eight feet. I guess you're right. It's, it's about eight feet, right? Come on. It's, it's uh, eight feet. <laughs> Hey, yeah, if anything, pause and go jump over to YouTube real quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I actually am a little punched in with this camera. I am, um, A, this actually, um, I'm shooting on a C200, a Canon C200, which has a crop factor. So that means that by a crop factor, the lens is not at its true uh, full scale. If I was shooting with a super 35 millimeter uh, film camera, I would technically have more it'd be a, a 24 millimeter lens would be wide pretty wide with this mm. it's a little bit more it's quite a bit more narrow that being said um i actually we have a doorway on this side well i don't see it what that i try to hide and yes i could technically keep, keep the same exact framing and move the camera closer to the table but by doing that by going wider even if i do move closer it starts to distort things to the point that you can still kind of get a general sense of the doors there. But by pulling the camera back, keeping the same exact um, framing as far as where we, um, how close we are to the edge of the frame, I uh, am able to eliminate that door. And thus, you're never aware. So that's why lens really matters. Uh, that's one of the many reasons why lenses mm -hmm. really matter. It helps you make an image more condense mm -hmm. or really spread things out. Uh, Without looking synthetic yes yeah like um, the, like i i, I want to just kind of you know for people who have seen him everywhere casey neistat normally uh, shoots on a wide angle lens yeah and it and it like kind of bubbles mm -hmm. in the corners yeah if you guys look very closely or if you guys watch skate videos fisheye lens yeah it's mm -hmm. very round yeah and it captures nice a lot of music video yeah um Got P. Diddy. That's one of the many things. 
I mean, then there, then there's uh, the way they handle lighting. Um, lens, each lens handles light differently. Oh, and it that can I didn't know. affect your contrast. It can affect sharpness. That's why the quality of the lens is very important. Just and how do you, you adjust those? Uh, well, you don't necessarily ju- um, adjust them in lens. I mean, that's how a lens. Well, no, built. but the camera. Oh, well, what do you mean? You, do you adjust like the um, for consistent lighting? Uh, what do you call it? Between the, lenses? No, I'm not. What is it called? The white balance to, per lens? Well, or, I mean, that's... Um, well, does it matter? I mean, you're going to kind of do that based off of in-camera. Yes, te- um, technically a lens can handle color a little bit differently too. Um, that's getting on a mic- Again, I'm more of that micro level. Uh-huh. But the distortion that you just talked about is a good example. Um, a lower quality 24 millimeter will start to bubble on the sides while a high quality uh, 24 millimeter will um, still be a wide lens without distorting. Oh, so camera lens type of branding and how much, you know, coin you drop too. Yes. (laughs) But anyways, (laughs) so that's why I I mean, it's really important to plan out what lens you're going to use. I definitely put a lot of consideration of that. Um, I mean, sometimes... I mean, certain directors use will, will only exclusive, exclusively use one type of lens. They'll use a 35 millimeter almost entirely. And only maybe if they absolutely have to a different type. And they'll just make everything work around that one lens. For me, I love, I personally am all about using the tool that makes the most sense to get the shot across. I don't like, I, I personally feel like that mindset can be a little limiting. So when I handle looking at my tools, I don't want to take tools out of my belt for no reason. I'd rather try to make, keep all my, my, keep my belt fully loaded yeah. for this metaphor. <laughs> this belt metaphor, it's spiraling. <laughs> that way I can always have my options open right. to whatever I want to, if I want to get a certain thing across, I want to make sure I have it, have right. the ability yeah, to do it. Yeah, I get it. that. So then I'll, I'll go in with my shot list and basically Line by line, I'll read the script and find out what's important to show, what's not important to show. I try to be very detailed with my shot list and consider things like inserts. It's it's the big thing is that's really valuable that not every cinematographer unfortunately has. Um, it's really good, and I highly recommend. I'm not saying become an editor. Maybe you hate editing. Edit your own work as much as you can, um, especially when you're doing freelance type stuff. Um, even if you if you aren't, try to like ask for raw footage just so you have a chance. That's the best way to see your mistakes and see how you can improve is by editing the raw footage. Of course, an editor is going to try and cut and do everything it can to make it look good, but you need to see the areas where you did screw up. Mm. And then also, by having that editing mindset, you start filming that way too. You start, as they say in the industry, filming for the edits. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. no, because I ha- I've come across the same thing. Like, I think every writer should be their own editor to a point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to invest it ultimately in somebody who's like a professional, but I mean, you got to do, it's your job to make it, you know, the rough from the rough draft to the second draft to the third draft to the final, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. What would be a good example of what you're just saying of, of thinking about the edits while you're taking the shot actually to talk about one of our um, prior episodes when we talked uh, when we met with uh vic and katie of uh, rosen cons mm-hmm. uh they are doing a very documentary style and actually a lot of documentary filmmakers can really benefit from this mindset uh they have to when you're recording um something especially like the um when you're trying to cover something you want to think about the edit so let's say the person that you interviewed is talking about 
uh, sewing and stuff like that. You want to make sure you have footage that covers the sewing and covers enough. There's enough footage to cover the amount of time that they're talking about sewing. And then let's say that you kind of think about that mindset of she starts bringing the sewing back to talking about herself and how that really meant a lot in her younger life. Maybe that's something where you have the, uh, um, something that like a sewing machine in the foreground and her in the background doing something and kind of bringing that connection together of, oh, one and one completes and they're a whole. Right. So that's what's filming for the edit is. It's uh, making sure that you have filming that as if you were going to be the one that's cutting it, as if you were going to be the one, okay, I want this shot next, I want this shot next, I want this shot next. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, in the filmmaking world, more than likely, it's not going to be the way you want it. Right. But that means you got you covered your base and mm-hmm. you made sure there's enough footage for that editor, whoever it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, the uh, in writing too, it's like it, you know, like to add just to add, add on to what Brandon was saying a little bit. It's like it forces you not only to reflect upon like your mistakes and to kind of see where you've made mistakes and how to improve them, but also like it makes you reflect on like your intentions at all. Like, what am I trying to say here? You know what I mean? What am I trying to do? How do I accomplish that? You know what I mean? What can I? how many more fewer words can I use to do that? You know what I mean? In the, in the, like the most basic sense, like it helps you mm. understand structure as you're writing so that your drafts get better and better. Like just from the jump. Yes. Know? I'm very much a naturalistic, uh, style uh, with my cinematography. I like, I like lighting that makes sense. I like that. You can like, okay, there's a window or the lamp is giving that light or whatever. I don't like just there being just perfect lighting and there's no reason for it. Like, yeah, I just from the window to the walls. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to the skeeting ever. The director of photography is obviously um, skeeting everywhere. Do you think of lighting and how you're doing it? Like even in commercial sense or does it depend on like what your intention is behind the way you're shooting? The, the intention is always important. I mean, that there's a purpose for even lighting that like making, in the commercial sense, even lighting is always usually really good. Like, for instance, I'm going to be working on this um, skincare video. And for that, I'm going to make sure that, well, yes, I'm probably going to still make it in a sense that it feels like there's a light one light source. Even with that one light source, I'm going to make them pretty even because mm-hmm. I want to have that nice skin complexion going on. Which is generally problematic on, say, like a narrative which has to be more expressive. And it's just yeah. like this clean shampoo commercial mm-hmm. kind of, you know what I mean? Which is a, a huge... Uh, insult uh level that uh sort of remakes of horror movies by like the older generation where they're like less gritty you know like in the day like you know say the original texas chainsaw massacre i think that was an actual criticism from somebody uh the original texas chainsaw massacre is like really gritty and psychological and intense and it's got all this texture and you know it's kind of you know like a little gnarly looking and then the new one is just sort of this like very even the violent parts have this sheen of just crispness and you know what i mean mm. it's like a, you know huh. so i guess I do specifically focus on camera angle first. Mm-hmm. I work through my shot list. I get that done. Um, I really try to visualize that. I I'm, when I visualize sometimes when I'm, I like to be in an open space just so I can. I like it's breathing. Your mind I, palace. I, I'm very yes. I'm very <laughs> much about my mind palace and also my breathing room. So I like having open spaces. And like sometimes when I'm, when I'm planning a shot, I'm like I have this thing. I don't know. It's maybe stupid or whatever, but it's it's what I do. I'll like try to visualize it. I literally try to go like my mind's eye. I've my, seen you do that. I know. My hand. <laughs> Physically. <laughs> my hand will become the camera and I'll think about the shot and how it's going to go down and what the angle is going to look like. Yeah. You and go into a yoga pose for a second. You're just like, got it. Fucking got it. It may be, it may be <laughs> for stupid. For audio listeners, yeah. uh, Brandon has his hand up with like a claw-like Eyes closed. Thing. Chest Eyes closed. sort of raised as though to, to breathe has, from the stomach. It's he has like the claw going yeah. on right His here. His posture and that's suddenly just... gets better. 
to breathe better. <laughs> Standing straight. <laughs> and he's moving his hand like it is the camera while he's yes. visualizing it in his brain. You should talk to yourself while you do it. You're like, yes, I have you. I have you. You can't escape my eye. And self-awareness and how you work with what you're trying to achieve and knowing how you achieve that your own way yeah mm-hmm. and that's what i do i mean i i'll do I'll, you'll you'll see me on set I'll, I'll do it for sure on set when i'm trying to plan out and think about where i'm gonna put my lighting uh it just i, I, I can i can put myself in the camera i, yeah. I can see it i, can see I think it. every artist is almost overly self-aware and the problem is when you don't realize it you know what i mean because you need to be self-aware in order for your work to, to realize to understand what you're even trying to do mm. but it's like when you're overly self-aware in the way that many artists are and you're self-conscious and you're over editing your stuff and you don't know exactly what you want to do and like i'm a piece of shit i'm bad at that you know what i mean like i think that's kind of when i mean everybody does that but i think you need to be conscious of your own self-awareness in some ways yeah Yeah. you know if that makes any sense you know so i go from there once i get my shot list done uh i I do i do focus i try to focus on camera only um and I mean, I'll, I'll have bursts for lighting, and I'll even put some notes down throughout my shot list as I'm um, for lighting. But I try to get those angles figured out first. In my ideal scenario, I know all the locations um, ahead of time, and I, don't, I, I actually don't, I really don't like making shot lists without knowing the location. That's a good uh, idea. Yeah, well, it just bugs Wait, me because. Do you, when you know the location, what's your next step? Like, I know the location. What do you drive there? Do you Google um, Maps? I, I mean, if I can, if I have images, I'll try. I mean, if I can go there, I really, really have to go there. I've Google. I have done the Google Maps thing like where I drop the pin down and like scope around. Do you like Ooh. playing when you uh, when you go? I mean, when you go to a, a location scout, is that like the point where you really get to do what I do? Like when I like you know just write a wall of text and then I have to sculpt it. You know what I mean? Is that where you try to do that when you're doing the shots? Setting I'll up do on some, I'll do some like, um, yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Yes. I Are have talking uh, about like B roll. Well, I'm talking about when you go to the location and figure the shots out, yeah, whatever yeah. that is, you know what I mean? Like, oh. and you're setting it up. Is that when you really play? It seemed kind of like it when you and me were doing it for the film, but yeah, I'll have a sense of where I was. That's where I like to do a lot of the storyboarding. I'm, all about storyboards. I do not like drawing storyboards, so that's why a big part of the reason why I, like, yeah. I like doing the locations is because I like doing photos on storyboards. I'll just grab, South, oh. I'll grab whoever and put yeah. them in my shot for me. And you snap, snap. Yeah, I just take mm-hmm. a photo, and I, I actually have an app that I use pretty frequently. It's called, I never know how to pronounce pronounce this. It's called Cadrage or Cadrage. It's C A D. Uh, I can't help you with that one. I don't know what the fuck that is. C A D R A G E Cadrage or Cadrage. I don't know. It's a great app though. Basically, it allows me to plug in. I usually shoot on my C200. It plugs it in. I can plug in uh, a 24 millimeter, a 35 millimeter. Like I can plug in the lenses I want, and then I can help. It'll literally. I, I can switch to those lenses on my phone, and it'll emulate what that framing oh. would look like uh, with that lens. That's very fucking cool. It is. By really the way, nice. I really like that. It's a like a few. It's a director's viewfinder for, um, on your phone. It's really easy to use. So. I'll start making storyboards based off of that and kind of seeing my limitations. Can you take photos of that? Yeah. Oh, wow. I like the idea of you just straight up being on like an open field. That's your uh, your location. And you're just sort of standing there. Just sort of like <laughs> just being the avatar, just like communicating. Well, with hey, elements. do you have any B-roll of you doing that? 
Actually, I, I really so. wish that you could see yourself. Huh? And I'm not even like making or fun like, of it. I mean, honestly, like, B- don't stop any, doing uh, it. I just any, wish you could uh, see it. BTS, I meant to say. I don't think so. Of me I'm like, being in that mode, I don't think so. Because I've seen if, it a thousand times. If anybody had it, it, it'd be Julio. I've seen it a thousand times, but I don't know that you've ever actually seen it, which is really disappointing I've to me. I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, you've never first... seen him do that? No. You were on set with us for like two days. Oh, I've never just, seen it. He was like on the ground behind the bed, though. That's true. Yeah, you were the sound guy. You were trying to be out of sight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's the I mean it's, I'm not even I'm not even like criticizing I mean it's the best yeah I just oh, love it okay I love well, that you do that <laughs> well hold on, hold on hold on I feel like I was if gonna I made a pop okay, figure okay. of you before I before we let uh, Brandon yeah I go ahead like I'm sorry interesting a thought there let's see where oh um but yeah I like that's like why I like going on the location because then I can kind of see I want to be able to play with the location I mean that's that's a part of the image it's a mm-hmm. part of my framing I want to make sure that I incorporate if it has a beautiful window I want to incorporate that beautiful window I want to see how I incorporate that in it's an entire painting. It's just not. It's not just the people. What's well, with the uh, the thing that made me ask you that question earlier was I remember with uh, the behind the scene the BTS of uh, the Twin Peaks the Return the third season. Uh, David Lynch was just pissed off because they didn't have enough time in each location in order to play around. Mm. And he's like, I barely even get a fucking you know. And it was like it was like angry David Lynch like with a cigarette just yelling at these producers. And it's like, oh, this is the way Hollywood did. It's like they were just saying all the things to piss him off as much as possible. Like, this is the Hollywood way. And he's like, fuck it, I'm never working like this again. And it's just like his voice. And it's, it's cool seeing him get angry because he's like this meditative calm. I, I really hate not being able to get yeah. a location prior. It's yeah. just a, it's not absolute must. It's just it makes it way better. Yeah. Um I can so see it's like your canvas, nice you know? and then I can start playing lighting based off of that. I can see what natural light I get to work with already, and then just adding to that. Because again, uh, for me personally, I try to find a light source to play off of, and then focusing on that. Um, and then I do. I mean, I per, I do kind of go all the way. I, I really enjoy it. The thing is, I really enjoy cinematography, so I don't mind going all the way. I know a lot of people like don't want to do the paperwork. This is one of the few times where I do actually enjoy doing the the uh, grunt work prior. I do my storyboard. I, I do my yeah. my shot list. I do my storyboards, and then uh, maybe not every single scene, but especially the big scenes, I'll do diagrams for. Yeah. Uh, but especially, I'll do even more diagrams when I know we're on limited time or on a really limited budget. So, a, di- um, a diagram for those who don't know, it's like an overhead view. It shows you where the where the camera is going to be, where the uh, people are going to be, and then where you're, you can set your lighting. Once again, there's actually a great app for it. I'll recommend it. Whoa. I feel like uh, while you're looking that up, I feel like, I feel like I naturally responded to that the diagramming. By the way, uh, when I first saw you do it, because I used to play uh, Time Splitters, which was this first-person shooter game where you could make levels mm. and you would have that over-the-top view and you would build the walls and the rooms and then put the things in them and it would all be symbols. And I was like, so when I first saw that, I was like, ooh, I know this. <laughs> yeah, uh, Shot Designer. That's the app. I mean, it's it's. Really great, very straightforward. You can place couches and simple items, build walls, and kind of build your production space. And then it just makes it easier to plan. And they, especially in those scenarios where you're dealing with something really complex, a lot of moving pieces, and you want to be able to just pass this out to your key grip or your yeah. other crew members and be like, hey, this is what we need to get done. Why is that so important? Efficiency. I mean, organization, man. Organization, yeah. <laughs> organization and time, all those things are really important. Uh, we are especially on a limited budget but even all film really you're always it's the hurry up and wait game as they yeah. love to say money you're always burning through a supply of money that is like your time you know what i mean like you're so it's somebody else's money you have a set amount of time things are already stressful so when you're not organized and the however many people working below you see that they lose faith in the structure and the whole thing crumbles Falls apart. like it's a really good microcosm of like 
anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a, a business or a country or you know what I mean? It's just like, you know. And the last thing you yeah. want is the last thing you want to do is be hired as a cinematographer, be on set, and you get there and they're like, Okay, so what are we doing lighting? And you're like, uh I don't know. Yeah, now you're just standing around. Yeah, to yeah. Like, oh, make it up on the spot. Yeah. yeah, and make I I make it up on the spot plenty of times. It's not an impossible thing. It's just, are you gonna get the best product? No. Yeah, you got to do the work beforehand. You got to do the like work, the foundation. Yes. Yeah, and I really do like doing it. I I will be the first. I'll, nice. I'll offer the shot well, list for other people. I, I can say I can vouch for Brandon. I I've never worked on such an organized project in my life. That's regarding anything that's time that's, discipline care that's you know professional work yeah that mean whether it does uh my profession as a mechanic um all my ventures i've done with all my creative aspects mm-hmm. you guys were really it was it was just it felt like i was like mini hollywood up in <laughs> yeah. i like i enjoy it honestly it's kind of like brandon because it's just for me it's like i used to paint it was another thing i did like when i was in high school probably not that great but i i enjoyed it and it was like I just, I don't know, like doing those different steps, yeah. laying your foundation, mm. it's like, it's just adding another layer, another coat of paint yeah. each time and just making it better and better and having the patience and discipline. It's like writing too, but it's mm. like, I don't know, I just like that. I like putting that kind of discipline in it to make it, I mean, it goes without saying, if you don't put the necessary work into it, you're shortchanging your mm. inspiration. You know what I mean? You're shortchanging your, what your idea was to begin with. You need to try to meet it, you know, as much as you can. I also feel like your, your guys' intensity and passion was like rubbing off to me like i like i can't mess this up like i i, I just felt that's, that's really and it, that's and so it's funny. sweet that's like one of the it's, biggest compliments i've ever gotten <laughs> <laughs> i really appreciate yeah. that yeah and it's funny because julio's like said out like uh he's he was the uh uh cinematographer yeah cinematographer I, director I, of photography I it's um he was telling me like he that was my first audio mixing gig for the most part and he said, like, he felt like I was just, like, that. I've been doing it for years. Mm. You seemed really experienced. Like, it, I, I trusted you with, like, basically my, all your... Yeah. That confidence, though, was because it was from you guys. I was really nervous, but you guys made it, like... Oh, my God. It's <laughs> like... We hit the rap right yeah. here because... Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but, but really, it's... It's like it's like it's an a adult. Thing. It's, it's a like a teacher. Thing. Yeah, it's like a teacher or somebody just bending over and just like looking in my eyes and be like, "You're enough." That's like <laughs> that's like what you just did to me when I was a little kid. I'm like, "Oh, I needed to hear this when I was six. I really do believe in that professional element. I mean, we always I feel like a lot of people in the independent world get obsessed on that. Oh yeah, guerrilla style. We're just gonna go for it. And there's good elements of that in there. I, would, I mean, I try to do that basically in a planned, coordinated way. My yeah. first short film was Well, if you're going to go that way, you need to have more planning just to fall back on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you need to have that safety net and then just fucking go wild from there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, my first short film involved literally taking a 10-year-old and going out in the middle of the night to a bunch of alleyway locations and filming in a sense, very much guerrilla style. That sounds yeah. kind of... <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of fucked up. I was like, when you were saying, I was like, careful, careful. Up. No, it does, but yeah. It, 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 His you know, family give, give was there. breakdown so okay, they don't, they don't yeah. think hard. No, I know, I know. Because like, when you were describing... I, I thought you were going to clear it up. You're like, oh, okay, he's describing it more and more, so this will sound better. And then you just stopped, and I was like... <laughs> I, you, what, the entire audience hasn't seen my short film, Separation We're going to link it in this episode. Separation. Separation. Yeah, we will. It's on YouTube right yeah. now. Yeah, it is. So. Uh, our short, my, so my short film, Separation. First of all, his family was there with him. Yes. His parents, yeah. I did the music on it with a group. Yep. Please smash the like button for me and give me a comment. Yes. How awesome it is. Thank you. He did the soundtrack. It was excellent. Solomon Trio soundtrack. provided the instrumentals. 
basically there's a young immigrant boy um we it's a little bit vague on what his status is as far as mm-hmm. being recently um, um basically all you really know is he barely just been in the states for maybe maybe a year but he doesn't really speak much english he doesn't speak any english and it's his birthday he's celebrating with his family in his, in his backyard a occurrence happens where cops come in there's a little bit of chaos and he ends up getting separated from his family it's all purposely left vague but he gets separated and he's wandering the streets of phoenix alone at night trying to get help and trying to get back home to his parents but unsure where to get help from but yeah i mean that's i mean i pretty much cover my method i mean that's why i handle it and then and then it's just actualizing it finding the right tools to get the job done and that's a huge step in its own figuring yeah. out what how you're gonna bring how you're gonna make that vision happen yeah no matter what it takes a lot of fucking work and discipline uh you get inspired you can be express i mean obviously like me like that's like i love just flowing you know what i mean i love it when the process is fluid and i'm just expressively you know what i mean and i'm just kind of like letting it kind of erupt from me but you need to be able to you need to do the work beforehand to kind of have a foundation Mm -hmm. for that to fall back on and then you need to be able to know how to carve it later so that it it's uh finished you know what i mean yeah i kind of ended my thing with like uh advice for early comers trying to do something Mm -hmm. what would you what would uh we'll we'll just go down with brandon and then sal um what would you for someone who wants to get into it like and what you've experienced in your life what's some advice you can give to uh aspiring filmmaker videographer cinematographer yeah i mean saying about what i mentioned earlier um, filming for the edit is a really crucial thing. If you can take that mindset early on, and even if I have a good friend of mine who um, who we've mentioned him, he's actually the cinematographer for our, um, Paralyzed, Julio Capelli. Um, you can find him at, at Senator Capelli. He's actually, uh, for the most part, almost entirely self-taught. He uh, he did briefly go to school, but only briefly. They ended up um, dropping out, and then he's pursued how he continued his pursuit for film is by literally just shooting small documentaries and honestly it's a great documentary or even wedding shooting or event shooting are great ways of helping yourself your brain get into that mindset of constantly looking for a beautiful image because you're constantly trying to create a nice image really quickly you're looking at something okay you're 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 naturally you're not even after a while you're not even thinking about anymore you're putting yourself into positioning for a good angle Mm. and you don't have to think about it yeah for real yeah i can relate to that yeah so just getting yourself in that mindset, getting that you're putting yourself in that experience. Shooting for the edit is key. Um, just do the grunt work. If the grunt work pays off. You'll get a better final product. And you feel better when you uh, when you finally, if you if you have trouble with discipline and you finally are able to find that discipline, mm-hmm. and then show yourself that you're capable of getting over the hump. You know what I mean? And carrying the load, like you feel way better. Yeah. You know what I mean? You feel accomplished Absolutely. because if it didn't take work, there would be no sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's uh simple as that but uh, my advice and this is kind of i guess it's kind of tough but i would just say but basically i'm just kind of echoing what brandon said to some degree but just do the work like just don't make any excuses don't put too much pressure on yourself and i mean it's it's an escape hatch to just beat yourself up so much that you can't write anything and it'd be so perfectionistic and so self-conscious that you're like oh everything i do is fucking bullshit mm-hmm. well the only way you're gonna get better is by doing stuff you know what i mean you've got to I mean, somebody said something to the effect of, I can't remember how many, was it a million? Like, right as though, oh, I think it was Neil Gaiman. He said something to the effect of, just assume you have, like, a million bad words in you. And, uh, you know, as far as, like, writing, just assume a million words of whatever you're going to do is terrible. Well, it's time to get writing, you know what I mean? Put as, put in as many as you can. 
to kind of get through that, you know what I mean? And to keep going get through and your better and better, you know what I mean? Yet the 10,000 hour rule, like, you know, 10,000 hours of practice, just, you might as well start, you know what mm. I mean? You're going to write some shit. And if you write something good, that's great. You yeah. know what I mean? So I would say stay dedicated and stay focused, but find a way to do that where you're just not beating the shit out of yourself. You know what I mean? That's my problem. That's what I did for years. Um, and part of that involves just throwing away, you know what I mean? The, the, you have your idols because you want to be like them. And you have these people that you kind of admire and that you aspire to be like. But And, and that matters. That's a reflection of you. But don't try to force yourself into their box, you know what I mean? You've got to write without any shame, uh, without any self-consciousness. You've got to write what it is that you feel compelled to write. Because that's the only thing that's going to come out that's going to be genuine and going to be honest. you just got to follow... You know, this is sort of like, I feel like it's kind of an overused, simplistic statement that a lot of people like kind of, you know, make, you know, with Joseph Campbell, uh, but he said, follow your bliss. And that's really what you got to do with writing. You've got to follow the thing that really compels you and you got to not be ashamed of it. You got to just put it out there because you're going to be, yeah, if you write, you're going to do anything creative, you're going to be naked. Like there's no way around it. Like you're going to have to be honest if you want to do anything worthwhile. And, you know, I'm sure some people have made a lot of money by you know, writing bullshit, being artificial. Don't even worry about those people because you don't want to be one of those people if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you got to just uh, put the words in, put the work in. Don't beat yourself up. Just be like, just be very pragmatic about it. Just be like, this is what I got to do and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to I'm gonna write about what I want to write about and try to have fun. You know what I mean? Try to have as much fun. You're going to sound like other people when you first start out. You're going to try to copy. You know what I mean? That's how you find your voice. You got to just go through those cycles. Like I've copied a lot of people that I loved and I also found hey, I've got a lot of things in common with those people just as far as my voice and the things that I want to say and the things that interest me. So it's good that I kind of went through that and I learned from all of them. You know what I mean? It's going to take time and patience. Like there's no magical uh, uh, fix. You know what I mean? I was listening to a professor of creativity literally say, if there was a thing that I could do to just magically be creative, I would do that every day and I'd be a millionaire. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But there isn't. You just got to, you know, you just got to find yourself, I guess. And that involves just you know, uh, nose to the grindstone basically and just doing it. But it's not all, you know, it's not all backbreaking work. It's a lot of fun when you Finding your get joy. into your groove. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a pretty great podcast. Yeah, I think so. I think this went well. Yeah. Um, you have any questions about how we do things or other parts we didn't mention? Uh, feel free to hit us up and mm-hmm. uh, share your contrasting views as well. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We love comments, to have a dialogue. Yeah. DM. Yeah. Hit the uh, like button. Yes. Subscribe. Um, share. Share with people you mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. If someone you know is getting into this one of these fields. Share it with them. Maybe they'll find something they can get inspired from. Yeah. You know. You. I don't know. You set out to do something creatively, and you feel like you're doing something that matters and is meaningful. It'll be its own reward. You know. So, just go for it. <laughs> so. Uh, Quite honestly. <laughs> one more time. Uh, Instagram handle. At Mike Vivace, uh, spelled. Um, M-I-K-E-V-I-V-A-C-E. <laughs> Find me at at the Samsara Studios. Okay, so you can follow me at the Neon Codex. And uh, follow us, of course, on our Instagram. And then follow us on our Facebook page, uh, the 21st Century Underground Podcast. And that is our episode for the week. We'll see you guys next week with uh, more stimulating content. Yes, content. We'll content. We'll be creating content. Content. <laughs> it's yeah. made to be consumed. We got a lot of good stuff coming. Yeah, yes. we, we really do. Yeah. And uh, if you guys have been with us so far, we appreciate it. If you're new, uh, hi, mom. welcome aboard. Yeah. yeah. Hi, mom. Yeah, I know. Hi, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Every episode. Well, you know, I, we appreciate that too. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. See you guys.